This conference will now be recorded. Each week, a number of presenters will present on the step in question. There will then be room for questions and answers plus discussion. The sessions will last an hour or so. During each session, send the organizers any questions you have using the chat function. We're recording this session. Audio recordings of the workshop plus written materials are made available at the workshop blog. Links are posted during the meeting. Today, we're examining step nine. I'll start off by giving a formal presentation on my understanding of the step. There will then be other speakers who will go into more detail about how their experience informs their understanding of the step. So as usual, I'm going to share a document on the screen. And what the document is, is uh, the full text of the step in question from the big book. That's in blue. Certain elements I've taken the liberty of underlining. Um, uh, there are then my own notes. They're just my own notes. That's all they are. Uh, no authority uh, under, underneath those in, in black. And now step nine is a, well, all the steps are a, a big topics, but <clears throat> step nine uh, in particular is a very big topic. There are um, eight pages or so on step nine in the big book. You've also got 12 and 12, uh, which is good on step nine. And there are other bits of the later chapters which also discuss step nine. So there's no way I can possibly cover all of that material in the next 25 minutes or so. So I'm going to select some some particular aspects. So first of all, um, there's the question of uh, there's the question of how we position the amend. I'll come to what the content of the amend is later but there's the question of positioning it which is if we're going to go to people and make an amend well what are we going to tell them that we're actually doing um now this the answer to this question uh there are no there are no rules for this one of the lines later on in this passage is that there are only general principles there are no rules. Rules are things which have to be applied in all ways at all times. Principles are more abstract ideas which require application to a particular situation. So the difference between a rule and a uh, principle, I give you an example. A rule is that to make a particular cake, you need seven ounces of flour. That's a rule. Six ounces would be wrong, eight ounces would be wrong, it requires seven ounces. The principle is that you need enough flour in the cake so that it holds together, but not so much that it's going to be dry and awful. There you go. So uh, you can see if you, if you give someone the principle, uh, they're probably gonna make a few mistakes making a cake until they get the Quantity, they work out what the right quantities are in terms of feel and you need some experience and so on. So that's the difference between principles and rules. And what we've got with step nine is principles. And this is terribly important because uh, when I make my amends, I'm the one that has to live with the consequences. So if it goes wrong, it's my fault. 
So no one advising me can tell me precisely what to do. If they instruct me precisely what to do um, uh, and effectively override my view, then they're taking responsibility, but they're, they're not responsible for the results. So they can't have the authority unless they have the responsibility. With my amends, I have the responsibility, so I have the authority. And that's an uh, application of concept 10 for you concept geeks out there. I know you're there. Um, so going to people to make amends, you've got the approach itself, the method by which you approach someone and the content. Um, the approach, um, what it describes in the big book is particular to the culture of 1930s Midwest America, effectively. Um, we're in different, individually and collectively, we're in different cultures, plural, today. So the question is, what's going to work for the people that we're approaching today? I've seen a lot of embarrassment and awkwardness and silliness arise out of trying to approach and amend in the 21st century as though you're in 1935 Cleveland. I've never been to 1935 Cleveland, but I understand it to have been a radically different place than 20, 21st century London. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, it's going to say later on in this passage that um, uh, uh, we say we won't get over our drinking until we do our utmost to straighten out the past. And that can produce some very, very peculiar reactions. Uh, I've, I've known people to say that and the person they're making amends to says back, oh, so you're not apologizing because you've acted like an idiot and you owe me an apology. You're trying to save your own skin. How nice for you. And you'd like my time. That's been the response. So one has to consider this very carefully. And the first line that I want to talk about is we may feel diffident about going to some of them on a spiritual basis. Uh, to some people, we need not and probably should not emphasize the spiritual feature on our first approach. Uh, we might prejudice them. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in itself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So this must, I think, must be borne in mind the whole time. The outcome that I'm seeking is to be in a position where if people, if the world wants to use me to do something to achieve its aims, or God wants me to be used to achieve particular aims, I'm removing the blocks to that happening. So on the approach, uh, the question is what's, what's gonna be useful? Am I gonna mention AA or another 12-step fellowship? Am I gonna mention alcoholism, Alanonism? recovery, steps, God, spirituality, step nine. Am I going to give them my sponsor's email address? You know, the complaints department, you know, all of these, all of these questions. Uh, oh, by the way, my sponsor encourages me to pass his details onto my sponsees if they have complaints. And a couple of people have taken, uh, taken my sponsor up on that offer and they didn't call him twice. It was very interesting. Anyway, that's a that's an aside. So the question is, with each of these questions, when you're approaching someone, is it going to help? Is it going to endear us to the person uh, or is it going to put them off? 
sometimes mentioning that one is in recovery is a jolly good thing to do. I'll tell you why. Uh, uh, it lends credibility to what we're doing. Um, it demonstrates or at least seeks to demonstrate that we're not approaching this with any sort of angle or ulterior motive. Uh, this is not simply another uh, please forgive me so that one can continue to exploit people as one has done to date. So that's an example of where it'd be useful. Sometimes I think I, I tend to mention recovery at some point. It gets dropped into the conversation just so that people know that I'm someone they can go to or send someone to if they know someone who has a problem with alcohol or, or, or there is a problem with alcohol in a family member or a friend or a friend of a friend. And lots of people have taken me up on that. So I'm very glad I've done that. Now, um, step nine on the so-called scrolls, the, the wall scrolls, the wall hangings, it says, um, uh, we made amends to such people, that's everyone in step eight, except when to do so would injure them or others. Now, this question, except when to do so would injure them or others, is one which is often judged based on emotion and instinct. And instinct has its place and emotion is um, a little bit of a signpost, uh, but it's not a map. Uh, it, it points us in approximately the right direction, but it is not um, conclusive. If I'm going to examine except when to do so would injure them or others, I need some real principles to chew on. And the first one that I use is this. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. So the question, is this going to make me more useful or less useful? Um, I had a friend who uh, she was a little bit light fingered, shall we say, which if you're not familiar with criminal terminology means that she stole things. And she's someone that travels a lot. Um, she needs to get visas for countries uh, to get visas for countries to do the job which many, many people now benefit from. She's sober many, many years. Uh, uh, she needs to have a clean criminal record. If she has a criminal record, no more visas for certain countries. She's unable, she'd be unable to benefit people with the skills that she's been given. So she's been very, very careful about how to make amends for the shoplifting and other things. Some sh chains of shops respond very well to someone trying to make amends. Others call the lawyers before you're even off the phone. So one needs to be careful about these things. And this is a basic principle. You do a mental, and this is an important aspect of step nine. Often people make um, step nine decisions based, as I say, on emotion and instinct. Uh, what is more useful is to do a mental walkthrough. You imagine exactly what you're going to say. You speculate how might they respond. Now, as soon as you're engaged in this mental experiment, you end up with multiple possibilities, multiple scenarios. If this happens, that will happen. If X happens, Y will happen. If A happens, B will happen. So you do have to juggle multiple possibilities and look at how likely it is. Sometimes people say, well, I might the shopkeeper at the little corner shop up the road might call the police. Well, you know, how well do you know him? 
Is that in character with him? How likely is that? You call a corporate, big corporate, which has got strict policies about how to deal with shoplifters, they may not have any choice about whether or not they call the police. They're under an internal obligation to report and prosecute uh, shoplifters. There may be a sign saying shoplifters will be prosecuted in accordance with paragraph this and section that. So you, you do a mental walkthrough, you look at all of the possible risks, um, you look at ways of mitigating those risks and you look at the magnitude of those risks. How likely is it that that risk will materialise? So there must be a real analysis here, not just put your finger in the air and see which way the wind is blowing. Um, winds can blow in different directions on different days, I'm told, by my meteorologist friends of whom I have none. Um, now, uh, if we, so this is the second paragraph. We don't use this as an excuse for shying away from the subject of God when it will serve any good purpose. We're willing to announce our convictions with tact and common sense. The question of how to approach the man we, we hated will arise. It may be he has done us more harm than we have done him. And though we may have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're still not too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with a person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. Uh, actually, I'm going to read the next paragraph as well, because I want to take the two paragraphs together. Under no condition do we criticise such a person or argue. Simply, we tell him that we will never get over drinking until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. We are there to sweep off our side of the street, realising that nothing worthwhile can be accomplished until we do so. Never trying to tell him what he should do. His faults are not discussed. We stick to our own. If our manner is calm, frank and open, we will be gratified with the result. So now these two paragraphs together contain your basic instructions for how to make amends. But there are some important points I want to point out. First one, tact and common sense. Some people, they might work in an office three doors down and you just knock on their door and you go in and you say, do you have a moment and you make the amend. Other people, you haven't seen them in 30 years. They do not want to see your face scratching at the window like something out of Salem's lot. Um, uh, with people that, especially if you've fallen out very badly with someone, um, uh, I, I, I wouldn't respond well to being called out of the blue. So tact and common sense. Uh, often the approach, the first approach must be in writing, you know, by email or by letter or by uh, Instagram message or whatever else um, to say, look, I owe you an, uh, an amend, um, either I owe you an amend, which is very AA terminology, or, you know, I've been reviewing my past conduct and I realise I owe you a very, very long overdue apology for my past behaviour. Do you have a moment? How And you, you put the, the ball in their court. Would they like you to drop by? Would they like to speak on the phone? Do they want you to put it in writing? Um, you put it in their hands and let them decide. Um, you give them a, a 
couple of weeks maybe in the approach message and say, if I don't hear from you, I'll send a little note with the apology. Feel free to ignore it if you haven't got time. I quite understand. In any case, I wish you well. Then if they don't respond, you can just send the amend without and you've warned them that it's on on its way. They can press delete if they don't want to read it. And that's a very efficient and effective way of getting the approach uh, done and the uh, uh, a process for making sure the amend gets made without having to constantly go back and forth and pester someone. So those are just examples about how to approach people with tact and common sense. The content of the amend is very simple. You say, this is what I did. I regret it, I shouldn't have done it, I was wrong. Those are three good phrases. You may use the word sorry, but don't lead with the word sorry. The sorry, I, I've used it as a manipulation, like please forgive me, and then we can pretend it didn't happen. Uh, so I, uh, it's been said, it's been said to me, and I think it's true that most people they don't even really want an apology. They just they just want you to admit that you were wrong and they were right. As soon as you've admitted you were wrong and they were right, they're happy. They've got exactly what they wanted. You're good now. So I was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Um, uh, and what can I do to make it right? Is there anything I can do now? And you take notes. If what they suggest is creepy or unreasonable, say, I'm going to think about that. I'll get back to you. Sometimes people suggest really creepy stuff, you know. Um, but anyway, let's not go into detail on a Sunday morning. Um, now, one point that I would say here, uh, 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 confessing our former ill feeling. This paragraph, although it contains general principles for amends, is specifically how to make amends to enemies. Now, enemies, they're going to know you hate them. Um, so you confess them, you know, confessing the former ill feeling, not much of a confession because they already know. Um, it's very common in the world of recovery for people to take this line out of context. And I've had people make amends to me, well, what they thought were amends, saying, uh, and these are people that I previously thought well of. I thought, you know, you know, Bobby or Susan or Jane or Peter, all very nice. And, you know, you see them at the meeting and you wave and they wave back and it all seems very pleasant. And then they say, I need to make amends to you. And you say, really? And they say, yes, I've I've hated you all these years. And in fact, I'm, not only have I hated you, I've been telling everyone wherever I go how awful you are. And uh, I go to other groups and and tell people to not come to your group. And so sorry about that. Now, <laughs> uh, you confess the former ill feeling if the person knows about it because you've been saying I hate you for years. Do you know what I mean? It's if they don't know don't tell them and this is the great second principle of accept when to do so would injure them or others uh most injury is now I, there are two exceptions um there's all the material and financial stuff if you set fire to someone's hay rick if you steal their oxen um you know these are material these are material harms um uh, now, with those, it's a harm whether or not they know about it. 
they've been affected whether or not they know about it. If they're seven oxen down, if they haven't counted their oxen recently, they won't know, but they are materially poorer for it. Second exception is reputation. If you've damaged someone's reputation, they may not know about it, but they will be affected by it. Now, I'll come to those exceptions in a moment. Almost every other harm is basically you've been a nuisance, you've been interfering, you've taken their time, uh, you, you've, you've upset them, you've ruptured the relationship with them directly, you've disrupted their relationship with other people. It's almost impossible to harm someone without them knowing about it in some way. Um, material and financial harms occasionally fly under the radar reputational harm usually flies under the radar unless some kind soul has told them you know what everyone's saying about you um thinking that they're being so kind in doing so but anyway long story short if you've harmed someone they know that's how you harmed them it was the knowledge of the thing that you did that harmed them but there are exceptions and a, a good example is is the quietly hating someone and bad-mouthing them left, right, and possibly center. Principle two of accept when to do so would injure them or others. Principle one, let's recall, was don't do anything which places you in a worse position to be helpful. Do do what places you in a better position to be helpful. Principle number two is uh, uh, don't tell them something they don't know already. If it's going to be new news, don't tell them unless it mitigates the harm. Sometimes people uh, thought you did something out of malice, but you did it out of stupidity or carelessness or for some other explanatory reason. And sometimes it can help to diffuse the amend by uh, explaining why, although uh, one principle I tend to follow, when you ask someone to do something, don't explain why, because what you're doing is you're saying this is up for negotiation. If you explain why, you're treating them like they're too stupid to work out why things need to be, just generally don't do it. It's the same with men. Don't explain, not, not um, uh, just say I was wrong, I shouldn't have done it. As soon as I start pointing to explanations, I'm saying it wasn't really my fault. It was whatever I'm pointing out. It was that thing's fault. So, you know, the reason I messed up at work was because I was really distracted because I had all this other stuff going on at home. And also, it's not really your fault. It's the stuff going on at home that's making the amend to me. So one's got to be very careful with this. There are occasions when revealing other information will genuinely help, but generally it, it's, a, it's a disaster. Either it, it upsets the other person or it deflects the, it deflects the responsibility. It means I, I'm no longer taking responsibility. I'm pointing at someone else. It's like with sponsees when they say, I haven't done the step work because I haven't been willing. I, I do. I just want I you want to. I'm not a hugger. You want to hug them for their honesty. 19 times out of 20 people say, oh, well, the dog ate it or I'm busy or I've got a deadline for Friday or I was kept awake by the neighbours. Or the, There's always a reason. Um, people love it in amends when you just say, I really messed up. 
what can I do to make it right? They love it. Um, let's see what else we've got here. Oh, yes, don't criticize them. So if they when you say to them, is there anything else you want to say? Sometimes they're going to come back with some <laughs> uh, interesting points of view. Don't argue with them. I've had, had, had people say absolute arrant nonsense, factually incorrect. You just say, OK, yes, thank you. I hear that, blah, blah, blah. But don't argue with people, uh, even if they're wrong. It just doesn't it just doesn't help. Um, you just take it on the chin. Then the next week, they're happy to see you. It's magic. Usually they're happy to see you. Sometimes they back away or, you know, circle. But um, generally, if I just take it on the chin, people are much better afterwards. Um, let's see. Oh, oh yes. Uh, two or three more points. Uh, it's interesting. This It says it shouldn't matter if someone throws us out of his office. We have made our demonstration done our part. Sometimes when people contemplate amends, they do the mental walkthrough and they imagine, uh, you know, Auntie Jacqueline being very, very upset. And they say, well, I shouldn't make the amend because Auntie Jacqueline will be upset. Now, if you're if you're apologizing to Auntie Jacqueline for something that Auntie Jacqueline knows about because she was there because you did it to her. Yeah, there's going to she's going to demonstrate she's going to show emotion. But that emotion was there, sitting there in a box inside her, you know, since May 1987. It's now 23 years and five months later. And it's time for the, you know, the spider to be let out of the box. Uh, you're not causing harm. You're not injuring someone by allowing them to release emotion, which is built, which is pent up. That does not harm someone it doesn't injure someone uh now by the same token uh that doesn't mean uh no holds barred the first point i've already mentioned which is don't create new emotion by revealing new harms that's an entirely different question and also don't rub people's noses in it if the situation was particularly degrading or humiliating or embarrassing for them often people find it embarrassing to have been hurt by something so be specific but not explicit um say enough that they know what you're talking about but don't rub their noses in it so you know don't uh, i i've heard situations of uh, amends where instead of saying i'm so sorry for being verbally abusive um people said i'm so sorry for calling you this and calling you that and saying you were this and saying it does don't repeat the harm under the heading of the amend specifically refer to it so they know what you're talking about uh let's let's do some headlines for the rest of it pay all the money back it's not your money it's their money add interest and add add a little something for a margin of error um what else if you can't pay it back now come to an arrangement with them um uh if you uh, if, if you committed a crime do you admit it these days, I think things were very different in the 1930s. Um, if you get a criminal record by admitting to something, 
that's going to cost the state a huge amount. That harms other people. If it diminishes your ability to be useful in work, again, that's going to harm other people. It, it uh, withdraws from them the benefit you could afford them. Uh, it may make you dependent on the state. So we are willing to undergo anything for amends, but we consider all of the ramifications, all of the effects on other people, which means that this is not about humiliation. It's not about self-abasement or self-degradation or being the heroic martyr. Now, I know some of us with an Al-Anon streak down our backs, um, we enjoy martyrdom for complex psychological reasons for which we need a whole session. OK, don't use step nine as an opportunity for martyrdom. This is supposed to be to clear out the past so we can get on with being useful in a quiet, unintrusive way um if you oh and the third principle of except when to do so would injure them or others don't involve third parties don't dob third parties in don't call don't cause the person you're making amends to to be furious with the third party don't disclose things be discreet be very when you're doing the mental run through ask yourself is anyone implicated what else do we have here well there's a lot to read um so that will you know uh that will take the next week or so and uh well, i think i've covered the main points so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop the, oh by the way this the promises they come when you complete step nine sorry about that they're not the aa promises they're the step nine promises I, i'm not making this up this is where they are in the book which means if you want those promises, you have to complete the step nine, which means completing, which means all of all of it became willing to make amends to them all. So the word all is in step eight and then step nine, make amends to such people. Anyway, I'm going to stop there and let some other people share, invite some other people to come in and share. So, um, uh, Osha, would you like to share with us this morning? Hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Osher. Thanks so much, Tim. I'm a member of Al-Anon. Um, opening my notes. So it's very helpful for me to remember that I'm doing this to the my wording of it is to clean me out to get closer to higher power um, and not to have other motives when I'm doing my amends. So I'm not doing it in order to mend a relationship or for example, with past lovers, um, I need to make sure that I'm not doing it in order to check if they're still interested in me and, you know, can we light up that spark again? This is about um, my relationship with my higher power. Um, about financial amends, I'll share that um, it took me five years, but I paid 200 shekels a month, which is approximately $50 US a month. Um, uh, for five years to two former employers because um, in order to make amends for um, less money that I took from them and more um, that I really didn't do the work while I was while I was working for them. Um, and um, it was a great feeling when when I was done with those five years. Um, and uh, and I just it just came out of my bank account automatically. Now, these employers were NGOs, so it, it was a little bit easier to do it in the form of a donation. Um, but um, there are many different ways to be able to make financial amends. Um, I, I, so, so just like we talked about the um, helpfulness, if you will, of working step eight with a sponsor, 
also step nine in exactly how to make the amends and decisions that I have on perhaps wording, how to approach a person, all the different things that Tim brought up. And so I had an amends where um, in, in step eight, I wasn't sure. Um, I, I, I tend to have an ego that blurs my version of my memories. And so I wasn't sure if during a very contentious meeting, I had um, done things that were inappropriate. Uh, perhaps I had spoken in a tone that was inappropriate. Perhaps I had said things that were inappropriate to say in a respectful manner to another human being. I certainly had done things like face pulling and staring and stomping my feet and, you know, moving my body around to show that I was quite unhappy with what was going on. And um, my sponsor at the time said, go ahead and make the amends. It's going to be short. Um, I will say that this was also a person who um, I wouldn't say falls in the category of an enemy, but not someone that I would enjoy spending time with or um, want to have a friendly relationship with. And, um, and I, I did it because my sponsor told me to do it. Um, I did it because I don't want the option of, you know, the alternative that's talked about in the big book is drinking. For me as an Anon, I don't want the alternative of continuing to be insane and in pain. Um, and, uh, and I did it and I was very, very grateful for the direction to go ahead and do it. Um, and it, it was not easy. It was not, um, comfortable. Um, and it was received very well. Um, it was very short. Um, it opened up a conversation that I was, um, not anticipating and I went in there with higher power and, um, and I came out of it having settled and knowing that that is, um, a closed matter. Um, um, so I will say that, um, as an Anon, I, I think it's one of my traits to, now I have a list of people that I need to make amends to. We've decided what we're doing. Sometimes I have a list of people that I need to make apologies to, et cetera, what I've come out of step eight with. And so for me, um, I have always made all my amends. There's, there's one amend that I haven't made to someone because I haven't been able to find her. I've made efforts to, to find her. I only know her first name, former sponsee. Uh, no one seems to know where she is today in the program. Um, um, but I've gone ahead and, and gone through, um, all the different lists over the years, whenever I've gone through, uh, steps eight and nine and made all the amends. And I'm really, really grateful for that trait that I have of, oh, I have a list. And my favorite thing in the world is crossing people off that list or making the V. And, um, and, um, and I find a lot of peace in that. Um, I have a friend in program who says that when, when we make amends, we can walk down the street and look people in the eye and not be afraid of who we're going to meet. Um, and I'll just end with, my experience is that this is a process over years that, that um, in the beginning my amends looked very different than they do today. Um, I will say that the Anon literature, the Path to Recovery book has wonderful um, uh, detail on exactly how to make the amends and what to include in the amends. Tim talked about that a little bit from the big book and. It, it basically matches in the literature. Um, and my experience has been that when I follow the rubric, um, it's, it's, uh, it's very helpful to me. And, um, 
uh, and keeps me on, online for what it is that I exactly I'm doing there instead of going off on tangents. Um, and I will say that I am amazed at the changes in my relationships um, and how differently I've been able to behave having gone through steps eight and nine and seeing um, seeing a difference over months when um, uh, taking a look at these steps again for, for various for service positions that, that I've had an occasion to look at it and say, wow, it's really wonderful to see how kind of making the amends really has ripples uh, in my life. So um, my experience has been that, yes, it can be scary and yes, I can have concerns, but when I work through it with my sponsor and I um, call on the trust and, and, and um, uh, surrender that I've chosen in sets uh, three and seven, that uh, doing the amends is, um, it's kind of a matter of course. So thanks. Thank you. Uh, Ellie Shava, would you like to share? Hi, thanks. I'm Ellie Shava. I'm a member of SNN and Al Anon. Um, so, about the approach, the first time I did step nine, I was very much in the disease of anonism. And one of the aspects of my disease is that I'm very serious. I thought the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And I made a very heavy going of life. And amends is a serious business, but looking back, I made the approach in a more serious way than was needed. And clearly, other people were uncomfortable with the way I made the amends. And over time and with practice, I learned that uh, I can relax and take it easy. I can take it seriously without, without making the other person uncomfortable. And so today, I take into account my knowledge of the person. I take it to God and I try to make an amends in a way that will be most comfortable for the person that I'm making amends to. Um, about confessing the exact nature of the wrongs, I had an experience where I had made an appointment with someone and I waited a half an hour, she didn't show up and I left. And when she realized it, she called me and she said to me like this, oh, no big deal, you'll just make another appointment next week. And I didn't make another appointment with her. I didn't need an apology from her, but my time is valuable and she showed no recognition of valuing my time. And so there was no reason for me to believe that this wouldn't happen again. And that was when I first became aware of the importance of confessing the exact nature of my wrongs. Because when someone else expresses the exact nature of their wrongs to me, I find that it's much easier for me to, um, to forgive and it's much easier for me to give them a second chance and to trust. And if I want others to forgive and trust me, then I need to confess the exact nature of my wrongs. Um, with keeping it simple, so I used to be very uncomfortable with gaps in conversations and I would just fill it with chatter. Uh, and making amends is not the time to fill the quiet spaces in the conversation with chatter. And so I had to prepare myself beforehand and I would have a little talk with myself that there might be gaps and pauses in the conversation. Just stay quiet and give them time. Uh, and, I, and I needed to pray to God to give me the strength to, to, to remain silent. I, I had one amends that I needed to make to a person who I didn't, I also didn't know her last name. And I prayed to God somehow to get me in touch with her. And um, a few years later, I was in Jerusalem and I met a friend of hers or saw a friend of hers. So I went over to her and I asked her for this woman's number and I called her and she didn't answer. And so 
I was calling day after day, different times during the day, and it took a few months until I got in touch with her. She had been away, and I made my apology. I made my amends. She she told me that she really appreciated it, and that was it. We never we weren't in touch again until several years after that. She walked into an Al-Anon meeting that I was in, and she didn't know anyone, and she came and she sat down next to me. And I don't think that that would have happened had I not made the amends. So I was really grateful that I had I had made that amends. Um, I start my morning prayer every morning by asking God to show me the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love with my family. And then I meditate on it because I used to white knuckle patience and I would keep, I would just repeat to myself, I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to be impatient. I'm not going to be impatient. And then I would, I, I would be very express impatience. So um, I learned that when I, when I focus on not being impatient, not being intolerant, I end up being impatient and intolerant. And I need to concentrate more on being kind and loving. And that eases impatience and tolerance out because they can't live together. And in my idea with my family, I have concrete ways of expressing kindness and love. And so I pray about it in the morning and then I take inventory on it in the evening and I found that very helpful. Um, and with the promises, I found that I grow into the promises. So I thought that there were going to be parts of my past that I would always regret and want to shut the door on because they were so painful. But th the reason why the past was painful was because I had resentments that I didn't know how to let go of. I felt shame and guilt about harms that I caused. I continuously found myself causing the same harm, and I didn't have the courage to make amends. And through working the steps, God came into my life, and he changed all those areas. And, and I was able to let go of the resentments I made the amends, my behavior changed, and there's no more pain in me looking back in the past. And, and I'm very grateful for that because it's my past experiences that allow me to be helpful with towards others. And the last thing I wanted to say was about intuitively knowing how to handle situations that baffled us. When I came into program, not, not even, I mean, when I came into program, all my relationships were a mess, but even five years into program and having had worked the steps all my relationships were still a mess. And I needed to work the steps through the big book and ask a lot of questions. And then I carried through with all the suggestions that were offered me, and they were very mechanical in the beginning. And I needed to pray and to practice healthy responses until it became natural and my relationships started to flow. And today I intuitively know how to handle so many different situations that I didn't know how to handle before. And it's the, the relationships are much more natural and, and flow in an easy way. And I'll leave it with that. Thank you. I'm just going to come in briefly on the questions. If we're only apologizing for our own needs, isn't that selfish? Uh, my take on selfishness is when I illegitimately place my interests above those of someone else. I've never harmed anyone by giving them an apology or paying them money back doesn't harm anyone. It can be done so skillfully that it's over in three minutes. This, so it's almost impossible to, to really harm someone by making amends as long as you follow the basic rules about except when to do so would injure them or others. What matters, though, is presenting why we're doing it when we're doing it. So when I make amends, whatever my complex set of motivations are, the presentation is the reason I'm doing this is because I owe you an amend. Um, I don't talk about my own personal motivations for doing it. No one cares. Uh, uh, lastly, why would they forgive me? Uh, if they want to forgive me, 
good for them if they don't want to forgive me good for them it's none of my business i draw i just pulled the blinds down so i can't see it um so uh, emma would you like to come in hi thanks for that uh thank you for all your shares hi i'm emma a grateful member of essanon um the key for me with this is willingness um, I wanted to release myself and others. I needed to unblock the channels. It's all been said, really. Um, and I needed to remind myself that this was a process and that it does work. And how do I know this work? I see it in others. Um, I think that's a really big gift to this program, that we have people further along the path than us. And we constantly see, oh, wow, look at their lives. Look how it's working out. Look how peaceful they are. OK, then, you know, there's, there's that gift um, of seeing that in front of us. Um, one of my amends um, was a right time, right place thing. Um, I find it, I found really, it really difficult. Emma, we've lost I, you. I sat with my sponsor, oh, a previous sponsor. I did scripts for each single one of my amends. It was, it was, it was in the frame of mind of trying to, um, of trying to uh, work it one after another and keep it right to the point. And that was really difficult for me. Um, as I um, as I began to to do these amends, uh, one of them uh, was very much uh, a kind of interesting one of um, of God planning it for me. So I had it all set up. I was meant to meet someone, and it didn't happen. The screen has frozen, so I have no idea if anyone can hear me. But I'm going to keep talking just in case. Um, and the it was blocked. Um, I drive my the driveway of my sister's house was blocked um, it was immense to my sister and I um we've lost you completely Emma so uh, Evan would you uh like to present either picking up where Emma finished or <laughs> showing whatever else you'd like to share so there I was stuck in the driveway of Emma's sister um hi I'm Evan for coming I remember Valenon um so yeah, um, making my amends, um, coming to terms with, certainly with the people that I hurt, um, and trying to mend uh, that which I had broken. Um, so some of them, I guess, have been uh, ongoing. Uh, I guess, a daily affair. I know, certainly with my immediate family, where I think I probably did the most damage, um, has, has required um, a real change in how I go about living my life. Um, and a lot of that had to do with you know, working that line between, a lot of it was very serious anon uh, work on not taking responsibility for other people's lives, um, not trying to fix everything. Um, as far as the the, the direct amends went, um, some were, were difficult. I mean, emotionally very difficult. Uh, making amends to to parents, my parents, for a lot of stuff that I did as a, as when I was younger, um, for stealing money, for just keeping them up at night. Um, that was, uh, 
that part wasn't so hard, but the, the having to explain to my father um, where I'd broken their trust and, and taking things and, and really taking advantage of, of, of their love and trust um, and, and trying to make that up and, and, and repay those, uh, repay that money. Um, some of it, some of my having to repay were, have been very difficult. Um, having stolen money from, from people that, not even people, uh, uh, I worked at a, at a concession stand, at a sporting event, uh, at a traveling sporting event, um, at somebody's recommendation then because I was a good salesman in high school um, and I would stolen several hundred dollars. Um, I had no idea who the person was, I had no idea even how to, to locate, even the first step in how to locate, uh, if, even if the, the person was still, still alive, um, it was 30 years ago. Um, so I had been recommended to make a, a donation to a, uh, a, a club that, that helped youth in this, uh, this particular sporting field. Um, I'm grateful that I had a, a coworker who had recently set up a, uh, a, a, was a, a wrestler in high school. And he had set up a, uh, he was a, a champion wrestler in, in the Soviet Union growing up. And he had set up a club for disadvantaged youth in his, in his area where they, uh, just to teach them uh, wrestling. So I donated money to, uh, to his, his, uh, his organization. Um, so even those places where, where I wasn't able to find the person um, due to just, I mean, no, absolute, absolute no, no way of even knowing who it was. Um, and, I, and I see this occasionally with sponsees that uh, they took money or they, they injured, they did something um, where they vandalized things when they were, when they were younger. Um, finding ways to then repay some of those less uh, direct uh, methods of, of making uh, making amends um, can be tricky. And, and, and as it was mentioned, um, to some extent, this is a selfish uh, step, like all the steps. I'm, I'm doing it to, to keep alive, to, to make sure that I, I can go to sleep at night um, and get up tomorrow morning and, and do the things I need to do to get closer to God. And, and living in that place where uh, I'm, I'm constantly beating myself up over my past, um, no, I need to, to, to clear that out. I need to do uh, what I can, obviously with, without hurting others. But yeah, no, I'm here to, to, to clean up the wreckage of my past for nobody else but myself. Because uh, if I'm if I'm no good, because I'm I'm stuck in that place of of, of fear and guilt and, and constantly looking over my shoulder, when is this going to catch up with me? Then I'm I'm of no use to my 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 family and I'm no use to my employer, and uh, it's I'm no use to to the fellowship. Um, and, I, and I think the real that real place of, 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 of usefulness comes from, uh, from that, having that clean slate or uh, clean slate of having, having cleaned up the damage, having cleared out the wreckage of my past. 
um, in, on, on all, all fronts. Um, and then I can really get to that place of, of, of being of service uh, from a completely different place. So uh, yeah, I was grateful for this and, and grateful for your service. So thank you. Thank you. I've just posted a quotation about, um, although one starts the recovery process being concerned with oneself, it's it ultimately leads somewhere else. And I think step nine is like that. You, the prime motivation may be to feel better, but that's not the end in itself. Uh, so one doesn't preclude the other. Uh, there's another quotation I'll post in a moment. Uh, Devori, would you like to share? Yeah, hi, it's Devari. Can you hear me? Y yes, we can. Yeah, yeah, great, great. Hi, I'm Devari, a grateful member of Essanon. Thank you for all your shares. Um, it's it's uh, very um, lot to think about. Um, I struggled with step nine, even thinking up to step nine in advance, because I always like to think about things way before I'm up to there. And I thought it would just... Um, I was really, I really had a lot of fear about this because I had spent um, my whole life apologising because working on the belief that I can't have anyone upset with me um, or I won't be okay. And it was quite, I think, like, yeah, I knew there were still people angry with me because I obviously, everything was something I could have done differently. And I struggled to think of how that would work. And um, I remember my sponsor telling me to to just sit down and make a list and then take it through with her. And I remember hearing, no, it's not someone who should be on the list and that isn't someone. And I was thinking, oh, that can't be because it's, I, I, I'm not sure they think I'm the most wonderful person on the planet. And it was a lot of learning that that's not what, it's about it's not about um my pride and my self-esteem it's about being able to look at people in the eye and actually sitting down to them i think um i've not completed all of them there's still people on my list and i think there's still people are going to come up and come over but these this feeling of okayness that comes between me and god when i can when I've cleared things that really needed to be cleared and taking people off the list without making amends for people that shouldn't have been there was really that ability to be able to sit with myself and God, which I, I really didn't have before that at that point. And I think these um, these promises are, are, are really, I've really seen in my life that even though I'm sure there's more to come because I'm not up today, that ability to be able to sit with a situation that used to baffle me, that I used to not be able to handle because I had made a mistake and it had affected other people who either were not so happy or I was not so happy about that or that I didn't know where I had to. There's a certain clarity that comes in after working through this process where I can see myself before before my higher power and it's not about it's not about anyone else not from a point of view of selfishness but it's my life and i think that's what i'm learning the the solution of my animism that it's living my life and my life before god how god would want me to live my life and 
I make a mistake and that's okay. There's what I can do something about it. And it's not about raising my esteem anymore, but it's about being okay before God. Thank you for listening. Thank you. I'm afraid that's all uh, we've got time for. Our next session is on the 27th of September. Um, where, where there's no session next Sunday. Uh, and also, uh, there's no session on the 4th of October or the 11th of October. So there's only one session over the next uh, uh, four weeks and then we're back to normal. There are five sessions in total remaining. Uh, one on step 10, one on step 11 and three on step 12. The step 12 ones are on a spiritual awakening, uh, carrying this message and practicing these principles in all our affairs. And those will be ex the last three will be extracting elements from the last five chapters and odd bits on those topics from some of the earlier chapters. So it won't be linear the way it's been for the last few weeks. Anyway, the recording will be posted later on, hopefully. And uh, please unmute if you care to, and uh, please help me close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.